And another thing And another thing Welcome to another episode of And Another Thing, the podcast that continues to set the bar in the world of podcasts. My name is Jody Jenkins. My name is Tony Clement. And we are switching it up today with our guest. Yes. We have someone from, well, I won't, we won't say yet, but I think it's a first for the show. I Safe would say to say so. that? Yeah, I think we, yeah, I would definitely, yeah. Well, it's an athlete. We can say it's an athlete. Yeah, we've had athletes before. We had the, that uh, skier that won something. She was from Oh, Perry yes. Town. Yeah, yes. Well, she was in the Olympics. Yeah. And we had a, a professional wrestler. Yes. Yes, we did have a professional wrestler. Leo right. Rush, yeah. Yeah. We had so, two of them. We had the other guy who was the who mayor. Who was the other guy? The, the guy who became the mayor. Became the mayor. Oh, Matt Morgan. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. In Longwood. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah right. both former WWF wwe superstars that's right actually i saw a post from him the other day he's like um he's really tight with desantis down there in florida well so, he should be running for congress eventually well yeah. i'm wondering what's going on there and i i won't be surprised if something comes up down the road and i also was thinking we should get him back on yeah no he's, he's terrific i really in, enjoyed him and uh yeah we've had we've had a string of uh, athletes I that's only three just okay, for, we've had three. Keeping, yeah, <laughs> we've had over 100, and I think we have had almost 160 shows now and only yes. three athletes. So it yeah. hasn't really been our forte. But. No, we had uh, Mark Hebsher. He's not an athlete. but Nobody will... reports on them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, scr- I'm scratching the, the bottom of the barrel here. Right but yeah, I was going to say, we had that guy that went to a Jays game. That was close enough, yeah. wasn't it, for an athlete? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Each week, this show is presented by the great crew at Municipal Solutions, John Mutton and his team doing wonderful work there, and we can't thank them enough for their continuing support. Uh, Tony, I know that you can break down what they do there at Municipal Solutions um, the best because you, you're so good at it each week. Well, thank you, Jody. It's my pleasure to remind our listeners that Municipal Solutions is, is Ontario's leading MZO firm, Municipal Zoning Orders. That means they can help with development approvals, permit expediting, planning services with municipalities, engineering services, architectural services, even things like minor variances and land severances. So if you have an issue uh, with development or a municipality, you go to John Mutton and the gang, municipalsolutions.ca. And of course, we also want to thank our other sponsor at the other end of the GTA, Halton GR. Uh, you can find them at haltongr.com. Uh, Stephen Sparling and the gang are your West GTA GR government relations firms, uh, specializing in sourcing land for development, acquiring the ideal land, obtaining zoning permissions and bylaw modifications. They keep the project going uh, with the process or through the process. And uh, they also help by putting together the financing. Their slogan is, let's get this done. And uh, Stephen Sparling and the gang are available at haltongr.com. And then finally, for my portion anyway, I want to thank Hunter's Bay Radio in Muskoka, 88.7 FM, because every Saturday at 8.30 AM, they repost our podcast. And so you can hear it on terrestrial radio, Jody. 
And last but not least, looneypolitics.com, a wonderful aggregate news source that has content that you cannot get anywhere else simply by becoming a member or a valuable subscriber. You can use the code PODCAST, and that will help you get 50% off of your annual subscription. Or just tell them that Tony and Jody sent you. That's uh, looneypolitics.com. And no, no, not not complete details yet, but we yeah. have a new sponsor that's coming on board too. I know. It's so exciting, isn't it? And I'll, I'll give you a hint. It's a blender. <laughs> no. That's a big so hint. <laughs> you, can get a, you can get excited about that. So all our, all our loyal supporters, get your wallets out and buy some blenders. Yeah, we're <laughs> here to sell blenders, yeah. Jody. We're that's, here to sell blenders. We're no. living the dream here. Bassomatic. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Before we get to our guest, I want to bring this up now just quickly because I, I – do you have Prime? You watch Prime? Yes, of all? course. Okay, so – I just started watching. I'm into the third season already, and maybe you've already watched this all. But an unbelievable show called The Boys. Have you watched that? Oh, you know, um, I watched a couple of episodes, and I found it too dark for me. Did you? Oh, my gosh. I think so. What I was going to say is it's very gory to a certain degree. It's lots of inappropriate stuff. I mean, definitely wouldn't let the kids watch it. But, man, the story is so different and cool. Yeah, that it all good premise. Fits, it all fits in, and it's not like it's almost like comic booky gore because it's like yeah. you know that couldn't happen in real life kind of thing. But man, you, I think you should keep watching it. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm freaking hooked. So it's uh, f- filmed in Toronto. Seriously? Yeah. Really? Yeah, absolutely. And apparently, that's a real comic book too. The boys. But yeah, I just like it's uh, based on a real comic. I just book. Uh, it's like I never got through. Um, What's that one uh, that everybody loves uh, with the ad agency? Mad Men? Yeah, Mad Men. I no, found I've never that, watched it. I found that too dark it. for me, too. I haven't but even I, watched Breaking Bad. Oh, no, that one I love. That one. And I, I, love. and I haven't even, like, I've tried, I'm a huge uh, Lord of the Rings fan. I have tried Power of the Ring or whatever yeah, the new one. I yeah, haven't yeah. even gotten through the first episode. Okay. But, but I the just boys, the series I, I just Netflix. can't couldn't stop watching it. The, the Netflix series I just finished was Ancient Apocalypse. Have you heard of that one? No. Oh, it's about uh it's a documentary series, eight parts about uh uh with with the theory that there was an ancient civ- worldwide civilization that was destroyed by the flood and there are echoes of their existence in architecture and ancient ruins and so on it's it's really quite interesting speaking of ancient worldwide civilizations <laughs> how are the ndp doing <laughs> that's right we'll have to, we'll have to get charlie oh, angus back on the, on the program hey Let were you know. in apocalypse <laughs> <laughs> all right you better, we better all introduce right. our let's we run get serious <laughs> we're gonna get serious we have we're very pleased to have janine mckyber is that how you pronounce it janine Yep, that's it. Janine McIber. She is a world-class Brazilian jiu-jitsu competitor. She is a world champion, two times Pan Am champion, and she runs a jiu-jitsu academy. But maybe tell us the name of the academy right at the, at the front end here. What's the name of your um, The name of the academy is Oshawa BJJ and Fitness. Okay, good. And uh, we should uh, mention for the uh, delight of our fans that you are the daughter of John Mutton. <laughs> that's saying something nice about municipal solutions isn't it exactly <laughs> john will be happy that we 
we made that connection. So uh, tell us, uh, obviously, we want to hear about your life as a world-class Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu competitor. So first of all, maybe describe what Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is. Okay. So uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is a grappling uh, style martial art. It uh, it actually started, um, I, I want to say, with the Gracie family, but it goes further back than that with Mitsuya Maeda. Um, it's essentially, I, I guess there's a few different types, right? Like you have Japanese jiu-jitsu, you have Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but, but everything really or, originated from the same place. Like um, Mitsuya Maeda was a judoka, right? And it, like, which basically everything like comes from Japan. We bring it here. Uh, the Brazilians stole it, made it better uh, or tougher, I guess, and so on. So it's everything that happens. Um, from standing to the ground, um, it doesn't involve striking. Japanese jiu-jitsu, however, you do strike to enter into a takedown. So there is a little bit of differences. In but it's kind of, of is it like a wrestling thing then? Yeah. So when you're watching jiu-jitsu, like, it looks a lot similar to judo and wrestling together on the feet. And then with jiu-jitsu, um, it's a little bit different than judo where you have 10 seconds to finish somebody on the ground. In jiu-jitsu, you have the whole match. So you have people who maybe do not uh, do a takedown. They would do what's called pulling guard and they actually pull someone into their guard and work on uh, reversals, uh, which are called sweeps um, or submissions. The person on top is looking to do things like pass the guard, um, which would be like getting a chest on chest connection and getting around the legs mounting your opponent, taking their back, and basically just like progressively gaining positional dominance. And how did you get into this sport? <laughs> Honestly, Tony, it was the weirdest thing. I was going through, I would say my, uh, I would say midlife crisis, but I was like 23. <laughs> so um, I, I didn't know what to do with myself. I was really, um, I guess, bored might've been the word. Uh, I was competing in bodybuilding and BMX and both of them, like BMX was really great, but longevity and something like that, you know, I wanted to use my brain for work. And I figured the more I hit my head, um, the less likely that's going to work for me. Uh, and bodybuilding was just so, um, I don't know, like you, you train so hard and you, then you just stand there. And for me, it wasn't fulfilling. I was like, looking at the people who I was training with in the room, if I did a conditioning class or something like that. And I always worked harder than everybody. And I said, man, I have to find something that I can compete in that rewards me for my hard work right. as opposed to like my genetics or how my tan looks once I'm spray tanned. So you found that if the, the more you trained, uh, that, that there, there would be a payoff. Yeah, so we it's there's a funny expression like the harder you train the luckier you get. <laughs> okay. Okay, fair um, enough. Right, right. So, um I actually stumbled into jiu-jitsu by starting doing Muay Thai privates. So, uh at the time I was working at RU Game Conditioning Club here in Oshawa. Um the owners Kim and Gordon McPhail, um they hired me. I was a young buck right after I stopped working for my dad. Um Gord, Kim's husband, said, Hey, you know, if you if you stop working for your dad, like that's okay. We'll figure it out. So he gave me the first opportunity working there. And he already worked with a lot of the guys that went to Bruckman Martial Arts, which was the one like and only gym for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in Oshawa, which uh Justin 
Um, for those of you guys who don't know, like he competed as high up as fighting George St. Pierre uh, in MMA. So he's, he's fought a lot of uh, really OG guys who are. So is there, there. is there a lot of crossover between MMA and jujitsu then? Absolutely. I would mm-hmm. say like a lot of people who get into MMA that have, let's say, black belts in jujitsu who are legitimate, um, they do quite well, right? Um, they're, I, I think right now, if you watch um, the way things are going in the UFC, you see a lot of success with the people who have great jujitsu. Or even maybe we'll go as far as saying like Sambo, right? Um, which is very similar, like if you look at uh, Khabib, right? Um, so these privates I was doing, uh, they were in exchange for a nutrition and like workout program for one of the black belts that came to the gym. And he said, I can't afford to pay you. Uh, it's a lot of money. Um, at the time, I think it was like $200 a month or something like that. And you know, that's a lot. Um, and he's like, I want to get ready for the super fight that I have. Um, so how about this? Like, I can, I actually, I offered the suggestion like, Hey, I can do like privates with you for Muay Thai or something. Cause I want to get back in shape at the time I was injured and uh, I'll do your meal plan and your workouts for you. And he goes, okay, that's, that actually sounds like a deal. So we started doing that together and uh, we ended up becoming really good friends and a couple, couple weeks into it, maybe a month into the Muay Thai privates, you know, it was hard. I wouldn't say it was completely unenjoyable, but it was definitely not my fourth, like not really what I liked. I felt like the, t- the more tired I got, the more I was just punching air. Um, but one day I said, uh, can you show me how to do an arm bar or something like that? And he says, no, you have to come to my classes if you want to learn jujitsu. I will not show you here. And I'm like, okay, deal. So I drove to Warrior Fight Store in Pickering. I bought a gi. I showed up at the gym and uh, it was awesome. Uh, kind of nostalgic because uh the drills we did reminded me of wrestling uh did in the ninth grade so i was hooked right away so i immediately began doing a class every day or two um it was awesome and uh we should probably if you can fast forward you've had some recent successes so maybe just tell our audience about some of your successes internationally okay so um the first world title, uh, we always joke, it doesn't count because I was a white belt. Um, and then the other four was one. Uh, I won the JJAF Worlds in 2018 in Sweden. Um, I won double gold, which means weight and absolute, which is open weight division in 2021 uh, in Las Vegas at the Master Worlds as a brown belt. And then this year um, was my first year at black belt. And uh, I competed in the JJIF World Championship again in Abu Dhabi. And uh, I won. So I'm a two-time world champion in their federation. And overall, four-time anything above blue belt. (laughs) Right, right, right. Well, congratulations for doing all that. Uh, I, uh, you know, it sounds like, because I hear about Brazilian jiu-jitsu a lot, uh, is the sport becoming more popular? Would you say? I would say it's one of the fastest growing sports um, in terms of uh, combat sports, for sure. And sports overall, like, I would say it's probably one of the fastest growing. And people are turning away from things like karate and taekwondo um, to do jujitsu instead. And is that, is it because of the connection with MMA or is it just organic? 
I would say it's a little bit more organic. It's it's very new still here. Like it's not as popular uh, here yet um, in some of the smaller cities or anything like that. Whereas you see like some of the smaller towns, they might have like a karate dojo or their community center hosts judo there, right? right. So um, it's a little bit um, still, it's a little bit new to some communities. Um, so I'd say like in the larger cities, you see like a bigger uh, influx of people who train Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, in the States, it's extremely popular. They've really popularized the nogi aspect of Brazilian jiu-jitsu, uh, which looks a little bit more like wrestling. So I would call it more submission wrestling. Okay. Um, and yeah, like I-, I think one big thing is you saw through the years, a lot of any like any Joe Blow goes and gets a karate black belt easily by just like checking off the boxes of how many classes they attended. Whereas Brazilian jiu-jitsu is a lot harder to obtain. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, I feel like a lot of people, uh, not to knock it because there's a lot of really, really tough guys in Taekwondo, karate, et cetera. But I find that you can't really fake Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And some people really want that authentic martial art that's really going to teach your child how to protect themselves. And because it's so hands-on, I think that almost makes it more popular, but it also separates some of the people, right? Like you right, get people right. who are in or you get people who are like, ooh, ooh, hands-on. No, no, I'm going to go do this instead. Right, right. Okay, gotcha. And and that's probably something you emphasize at your academy too. Like that, this is a life-affirming, uh, you know, a, you, you acquire skills that are going to be helpful to you in life later on, right? Absolutely. I think that uh, I've learned more about myself and I have improved who I am as a person in the last seven years doing jujitsu more than any of the years of my life. And I mean, yeah, maybe because I'm a bit older, but at the same time, like jujitsu teaches you what type of person you are, how you handle conflict. And as you learn to resolve these problems, you therefore become a better person in terms of dealing with it in jujitsu, in your life etc. Like I'm a really uh, impulsive person. I sometimes like jump to do things. And I find in jujitsu when I am like that, I make mistakes that get myself submitted. So uh-huh. I've learned to be a bit more patient, etc. And, uh, and things like this, uh, for me specifically, don't even cover like the, the changes you see in the kids that are coming up these days. You know, we got five-year-old kids, three-year-old kids, um, some of them with behavioral issues, especially after the pandemic. And you see like incremental changes, but those incremental changes are character changes. Interesting. So tell us and uh, a little bit about, I know you've, you've uh, just started an effort to get the sport sort of more recognized by federal authorities and, uh, you know, by the elite sports kind of infrastructure that we have in this country. Tell a little bit more about that. Okay. So, um, over the past few years, while we've been competing for the Jiu-Jitsu International Federation for Team Canada, not only have we done extremely well, but, you know, we've been in the top three countries with, with finishing placements, right? Um, and that's like overall. And they have three different, four different categories. And we're only representing the Jiu-Jitsu category. So when we go to these events, they have the Jiu-Jitsu Nuaza, they have um, fighting style, which is a little bit more like I was explaining with the Japanese jiu-jitsu where you strike first and then you can go for the takedown, submission, etc. Um, 
we have the duos, which are, it's kind of like a, I wouldn't want to say an act, but you have a pair who are orchestrating like a, like a demo fight. Right. Um, and we don't even bring people to these other disciplines. We just bring them for the Nuwaza Jiu Jitsu component. Everything else, um, like we don't bring anybody. So we're doing that well with just 20, I believe it was 21 or 24 athletes we brought this year to that tournament when other countries have like 50 or more athletes competing in the tournament. And just with that small group of people that we brought, we were able to get in the top three. Now, when we started competing, we started uncovering that other countries, even third world countries, they were receiving funding for their government. And they started asking us, are you guys paid to be here? Do you guys receive bursaries to be here? And we said, no, we're just like, we're just here. And we came to find out that not only do they receive like as little or as much as 10,000 US dollars just to be on the team for the national team, but when they podium, they receive like a bursary or, or funding from the government for making it to the podium first, second, or third. Um, so between those two things and, and seeing the salaries that are being given out between, um, let's say, other countries' Olympic athletes or other countries' athletes just within jiu-jitsu, it really made me stop to think like, man everybody's asking us and each year, each more countries ask us why we're not, why we do this. If we're not um, getting anything out of it, we're always for the glory, Canada for the glory. Right. Right. <laughs> but, right. Um, pat, pat on the back. Yeah, exactly. But I was like, man, like a lot of us are not amateur. We are professional athletes. The amount that we train, the amount of dedication that we put in our nutrition workouts, um, or sports specific training, which is sometimes up to five hours a day. Um, you know, we're professional athletes. We're not amateurs anymore. We're black belts who have put in the time who are arriving, not just on the podium, but at the top of the podium who are drug tested regularly um, to make sure they're in compliance with WADA. I was like, man, something's got to give. So the first thing I thought was like, man, I have the knowledge to go and start lobbying or just working towards what we can do to improve. And the only way we can improve is if somebody tries to make something happen for the athletes. So when, when we got back, I decided to reach out to uh, first and foremost, the ministry, like the provincial government and, uh, and then the federal government, just sending a couple emails out to see if I could get meetings to start discussing what we can do um, to either start working towards getting funding um, to change the wording and the policy of something like on the podium, which only really caters to, um, to national sports organizations that are, um, affiliated with sports Canada. And, uh, really a lot of them just look to say that they're Olympic sports, but what's to say that we're not elite, you know, we don't need to be in the Olympics to be elite. Right. Right. Like right. And to. would it, would it change automatically if, if, if this became an Olympic sport, would it change automatically that you'd be considered elite Olympian athletes all of a sudden? Well, I believe so. But the problem with that is, um, who is behind the doors of, and, and on the board of the CJA and the OJA, like, I'm, I'm not trying to throw shade on them, but, uh, you know, it, it doesn't seem like they have the best interest to really really growing the sport. And I feel like the people who are coming up in the ranks now and like our head coach, uh, we have a little bit more of an interest in growing the sport. Got it. Um, 
a lot of the guys that sit on the board are, you know, like maybe like 50 year old karate guys who don't really don't, they don't compete anymore. Whereas our head coach, he's going there and he's coaching us and he's staying, excuse me. And he's staying to compete in the masters um, part of the tournament, which, um, you know, shows that he's still practicing what he preaches. He's putting it on the line. He's trying to help with development of us, like making sure that we have all the up-to-date, you know, techniques, anything that he sees that's like really coming up. He makes sure that we're like uh, competent and understanding the skill. Um, And I just don't feel like the board uh, is really doing much. And I'm not sure if it's just because they're guys with full-time jobs that don't really care, but I've never met anybody on the board. I've never received a letter from the CJA, the OJA ever for any of the efforts that I've put in and neither have anybody, uh, neither has anybody that is on the Canadian team. Um, we also had a girl who won the world games, which is every two years, there are Olympic sports that compete in the world games. And, uh, again, uh, there was a girl from Israel. I believe she won a hundred or 150,000 us dollars, uh, for being on the podium. I'm not sure which spot. And, uh, Yeah. yeah. And, the girl who won the world games, we didn't, she didn't get a letter from anybody from the government. She didn't get a letter um, from anybody from our PSO or NSO. And uh, she didn't get a letter. She didn't get her picture in the paper, like nothing. Yeah. So it sounds like it's, it's, it's about respect and about recognition. And obviously there is, there are finances involved because it's expensive going to all these world tournaments and, and so on. So uh, that's, that's gotta be the message to the, uh, the uh, the sports kind of hierarchy in our country, I suppose. Yeah, like the the biggest thing I see here is like it goes full circle. Like we need to have better people who are responsible for fundraising and funding. We can't just have a website with a PayPal link that says, "Hey, donate." Yeah, who's going to go to our website? They yeah. don't even know that that page exists. Sure, you know. Yeah. So you know, we need somebody who is advocating for that. Um, we need somebody who is running an Instagram social media account. We don't even have Instagram or social media for the Ontario Jiu-Jitsu Association. And I feel like something as simple as recognizing or congratulating the athletes for their efforts is, you know, a very small but great gesture to show, hey, we're paying attention to you and we appreciate you representing us. Um, and then the funding, you know, the funding is as simple as reaching out to certain certain people. And, you know, if you think about it, $10,000 as a bursary to be on the national team and 14 of the spots are earned by the people who win their weight classes, that's $14,000. That's really, really not much money for some of these large organizations, especially the government. And that's just talking about getting a bursary to be on the team. Understood. Hey, Jody, uh, what what are your thoughts on all this? Yeah, no, it's interesting. I mean, I've I've followed the sport for a while, so I think it's cool that we have Janine on. I, I did want to ask Janine with, um, as a, we mentioned off the top of the show, we talked a little bit about pro wrestlers, but so I'm a huge fan of pro wrestling. I know there's been a lot of crossover between mixed martial art, arts uh, athletes and, and wrestlers, um, especially with the men and now so with, with women, you know, Ronda Rousey, Shayna Baszler, Marina Shafir, and Paige Van Zant being one of the newest ones, but do you, would you ever consider looking at opportunities like that? Cause I know they look at sports specific athletes 
And if you've got some charisma, you could probably make a lot of money in the WWE. It's funny, like, it's funny that you asked that. I know that there's so much money in it. But for me, like, um, it, it's a show, right? Like, it's a reality show. Um, and for me, I, I really, I don't think I could put myself there because I know a lot of it is staged. And I really do enjoy, like, doing everything I can to showcase a win. Yeah. Do you think, do you think people like Ronda Rousey, do you think they made the move just for money or did they see that maybe their career inside, you know, the world of MMA was probably, she's probably done what she could do and that there were younger, you know, more up and coming stars coming or what do you think, think the, head, the, the headspace is? So I think it was the latter because who wouldn't want to make like a million dollars or what millions of dollars, I guess, doing um, pro wrestling. Um, but the latter, because she she really paved the way uh, for women in MMA. And even though I was not her biggest fan, uh, I really felt like she was kind of more like a one trick pony. Um, she was fighting a lot of girls who you, you have to look at who came up with her and, and assess that. Right. Because it was such like a like the sport was so much different earlier in the days. Whereas now you have all these women who are highly skilled. Whereas before you might have somebody who might be like, you know, a blue belt in jujitsu who like recreationally does boxing, who decided they wanted to compete. They fought some people. They're tougher than the other chick. And then they got an invite to UFC. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm not saying that they weren't skilled by any means, but you know, you have to assess like how the level was. And then she fought somebody who was less of a one trick pony and like a world class athlete when she fought Holly Holm. And then that kind of, that was like a game changer. And Holly Holm is like 40 years old right now. Like she really like, she's been in it. And uh, I think that that really showed the world like, Hey, there's lots of other tough cookies out here. And like, what Rhonda was doing was awesome. It was a very like specific thing. Like I said, like I, I found her like a one trick pony cause she'd look for like some kind of foot sweep or hip toss and then straight to an arm bar, which is very judo esque. Right. Um, but you know, her, her striking was always like lacking and she was going to fight a striker who was literally world-class. <coughs> Excuse me. So, so could you, are you saying that you could take Rhonda Rousey? <laughs> oh, you yeah. You want to put me in a in a grappling match with Ronda Rousey, and I bet you one hundred dollars I will beat her. Okay. Tony, we should become co promoters. I know. Promoters and, I think well, let's we, book this. Let's get this to happen. I think we just need a hall and then some fans, and we'll be there. Yeah, <laughs> sounds good to me. Well, listen, Janine, this has been fantastic. We really uh, wish you every success in promoting your sport, and of course, in your competitions and your academy. Uh, if people want to get a hold of you through social media, what, what are your social media handles? Uh, mine is Janina underscore Beaner. And then our academy is just Oshawa BJJ. Wonderful. And uh, please, uh, I, I, it's amazing that you you actually worked f- for your dad and you got out of that. And now now look at you now. So that's wonderful. <laughs> oh, Janine, Janine, I meant bad. to ask. I meant to ask Janine, will we ever see you in a UFC ring? I don't know. The The night is young, as they say. Yeah. Um, the night is young. I'm not like, I don't find striking exciting, but I do not mind getting hit in the face while I'm trying to strangle somebody. So um, I think my first step will be to try combat jujitsu. I don't want to be in a ring with Janine. I'm just make. I just want to make that clear for the record. 
<laughs> he doesn't mind strangling people. <laughs> this has been great. Janine, thanks for joining our program. It's been wonderful to have you. Thank you guys so much. Excellent discussion with Janine there. Lots of uh, new stuff that you learned. I was yes. going to ask you on the program, like, who's your favorite uh, female MMA fighter? <laughs> I don't know. You would have been struggling. I would have been struggling. Who's my favorite male MMA fighter? I don't know, man. Come on, George St. Pierre. Tell me you know George St. Pierre. He's Canadian, right? Yes. yes. <laughs> there we Let's go. Let's just leave it that. at that. Let's, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, no, that's, I, I think that's cool. I, I do follow more so the UFC style. Yeah. So, I mean, I wouldn't be up to speed on uh, just straight jujitsu or whatever, but um, definitely very cool. And, and she's very passionate about it. Yeah. And I hope she gets I, some. She should challenge Trudeau to a, like a little demo match like he did with Brazo when they boxed. That's right. Great and idea. And she can put and him on the mat. Strangle, she can strangle him. Tap or snap, <laughs> right? I That'd love be it. cool. <laughs> Oh my she could goodness. probably get some press, like, you know, world champion jujitsu uh, <laughs> athlete challenges Trudeau to a match. That's right. There to raise go. awareness. And, for and the we'll, sport. we'll promote it and uh, we'll charge at the gate. 100%. Yeah. It's 100%. our idea, man. Yeah, no. So that was cool. We wish her all the best. And that's, uh, no, it's exciting. So I, I do hope I, I think I think it'd be cool to if she did UFC one at some point. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I we, well, uh, hey, listen, we might might have her back on the show, and she's uh, like the top star in the world. Who knows? Yeah, right? well, she said never say never, right? Exactly. She didn't, she didn't say no to not going to the UFC. Although it does sound like she's not going to go to the WWE anytime. No, soon, no, I got that message, but uh, loud and clear as well. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again to Janine for being on the show. Uh, also got to thank John Mutton and the team at Municipal Solutions for their continued support. Uh, you can find them online at municipalsolutions.ca. Uh, Looney Politics. Uh, you can head over to looneypolitics.com and use the code podcast to get 50% off an annual subscription there and all the news you'll ever need. And Tony, I know that you can thank um, our other sponsors and also as a teaser, we're going to start talking about blenders. We'll be talking about blenders, but we also want to thank Halton GR. HaltonGR.com, Steve Sparling and the gang are there for you and your your needs in the West GTA. And of course, Hunters Bay Radio, 88.7. Hear our podcast again, Saturday mornings, 8.30 a.m. And now I'm going to go watch episode two, season three of the boys. Okay. Good for you. (laughs) That's great, man. I I know. I just, it's just too dark for me. I don't know what to say, man. I think you got to keep watching it and then you kind of get more like, I don't think it's any darker than, um, well, it is a little darker than the Avengers. I'm trying to think of stuff that like, is like, like Deadpool. Do you watch Deadpool? Yeah, but that's funny. Yeah. But this, it get, this is anyway. Yeah, I kind of put it on the same level as Deadpool. No, I got maybe I got to give it another chance. Maybe I mean, right. do you remember? I mean, I don't want to be play major spoiler here, but you remember the first episode when he's standing there holding his girlfriend's hands? Yes, I do. Like remember, I was buddy. like, "What the flip?" <laughs> now I look back at that and I go, "Like, okay, yeah." Like I mean, like it's obviously that would never happen. Cartoonish, but, yes. Yeah, so it's like, but I, that was a. That was a shocking beginning to that show. Well, they wanted to demarcate themselves from the MCU, probably. But uh, actually, you kind of remind me of Homelander. I do, eh? I'm just kidding. <laughs> A-Train. You're A-Train. <laughs> oh, good. Good. 
Good. All right. We, we will do this again in seven days. Yes, we will.